Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. Our mission is to help worship leaders come away with tools to improve their ministry and to set their churches up with a great worship culture. Welcome today as we talk about the seven basics of worship leadership in the local church. So, hey, Tim, how's it going? It's going really well. All kinds of fun things happening, and it's been a great day. It's a beautiful day to be sitting in Troy, Illinois, recording a podcast. <laughs> How are is you that, doing? I'm doing good, but is that because it's raining outside? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just it's just fun to sit around and do something like this. Yeah. No, it's always fun to get together <laughs> and podcast, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I uh, can't complain about literally anything in life. <laughs> That's good. There when was sarcasm it, in that. But. When, it's, when it's literal, that's <laughs> literal, even better. <laughs> well, hey, you know, we've got a little bit of time today, and it's been a while since we've introduced ourselves. So to all the new, all the new folks out there who are joining us, uh, we just want to say welcome, and let's take a, a few minutes to ask a couple questions. Yeah, that'd be good. We do have a lot of new people, and uh, they both should get a chance to meet us. Yeah. Well, let's jump into these questions so those two new folks can know a little bit more about us. Thanks, yeah. Mom, for listening. <laughs> so, oh, man, this is this is fun already. Um, so, Tim, question number one for you. What was your favorite age growing up? Well, I um, would have to think, but I would say I remember the age of seven because I remember a particular birthday party that I had. And so... That was down in West Frankfort, Illinois. And I don't really remember much about the birthday party. I just remember having one. And so yeah. I like the age of seven. What church were you at there? It was Antioch United Methodist Church. Where right. My dad was a pastor. Nice. And we lived out in the country. And so it's an interesting childhood time. That's great. Yep. What I about would, you? What was your favorite age growing up? My, I don't have a, like a specific age. It's more of a, a range, you know? So for me, it was middle school and it was because um, I had no real care or worries in the world. Um, you know, it was just me and my neighborhood friends and we were playing kickball or street hockey or riding bikes and driving the neighbors crazy. Um, and it was, besides driving the neighbors crazy, it was just a fun time of like youthful bliss and innocence. What is your favorite board game right now? The one we probably played the most, I don't even know if you call it a board game, but over quarantine, we played Rummy Cube a lot. And it's like a cross between Scrabble and Numbers. And okay. Like is it like Rummy? Like growing up, I play Rummy it, with my It's grandma. like Rummy, except it's actually with tiles and then you can take from other people and you got it. It's ah. just, it's really, it's like a classic game that like yeah. lasts for a long time. A lot of strategy. I would say that's a board game. It's a tabletop yeah, game. Yeah, tabletop game. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. We played that. I think at one point, just our little notebooks that we keep our game scores in of all the games we've ever played, and we're on volume 10. Whoa. Is, I think we played like 44 times during the early part of the quarantine. Oh, man. I just <laughs> You just made me want to start a new tradition. <laughs> oh, it's a great tradition. We always make notes of what we ate that night and whatever else we did oh, that day. And then we... You just changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite board game right now? Um, I really love playing um, the children's sequence. Because our oldest, um, he's four right now, and uh, he really likes playing that game. So I'm totally down with playing any game that he wants to actually play. Yeah. So. That's half the battle is finding the game that everybody likes. Yeah, he likes that. All and ages. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, the other one that he likes that is a little bit, it's not quite as fun, but the game that you and Aaron suggested that was Spotted. Oh, yeah. That is a good one. So the next question is this. How did you meet 
your wife? I guess these will have to be in a nutshell since we don't have all day. Just someday we'll have a podcast of just a bunch of questions. Okay, that'd be awesome. How about well, in a nutshell? We met at college. Okay, and she was from Southern Illinois area, but had lived in Pennsylvania for the previous seven years, junior high and high school, and then her her dad got transferred back here, and so she started attending college, same college I was at. She was a year behind me. Oh, wow. So we met and were friends for a long time. Got married after college and. The rest is history. Yep. And here I am. That's awesome. And she just sent me a text wondering if I wanted to come home and have a Reese's piece of Reese's cake. Oh, this man. Br- what an excellent wife. Yeah. Well, somebody brought it to our house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you like at home baking away or something like that. <laughs> oh, uh, man. That's magical. No. How'd you meet Tina? Well, in a nutshell, she got me at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> she got you at Walmart. I was... Uh, so, it was, I, I was... Um, at a community college and I was working part-time at a Walmart and she would come literally, there's that word again, every single day that I was working um, towards the end of my shift and she'd buy one of two things, a pack of gum or a box of Pop-Tarts and then she'd just stand there and talk to me for like the last 15 to 20 minutes of my shift. It was amazing. Wow. Yep. That's good. That's what you should do for like your 10 or 15 year anniversary some years, just Go to Walmart late one night and buy one thing and stand there. Just stand there? Stand and around and talk. Like, why are you guys here? <laughs> it's a long story. It's a long story. <laughs> but you too can find love in your checkout aisle. <laughs> All right. So the last question before we dive into this podcast, Tim, it's what scripture did you read this morning? Ooh, that's like half accountability question right there. Mine is from Mark. It's, it's the cursing of the fig tree. Okay. Mark chapter 11. And how he cursed the fig tree because it wasn't bearing fruit. Yeah. And the next day he came back and then the disciples were like, wow, the tree you cursed is withered away. And then it's like multiple meanings in there. It's really wild, but it's the way the scripture is. But one thing is, is that the fig tree is cursed because it didn't bear fruit, which is Mm -hmm. a whole another part of it. And the second part is, is that Jesus launches into the idea that if you think that's amazing, you can make this mountain go into the sea and whatever you... Uh, Mark eleven twenty four, I think. Whatever you ask for in prayer, you'll receive it. And it's just interesting. So that's yep. awesome. That's what I read. What about you? Well, um, it wasn't this morning. It was late morning slash afternoon. I'm doing a little finishing touches for our youth tonight, and uh, we're beginning a series. And uh, tonight we're talking about uh, making it personal because Jesus knows us by name. And the scripture verse is Luke 19, 1 through 10. It's talking about Zacchaeus. Hmm, yeah. So because so Jesus calls him out by name from the tree. That's good. And we could go into the song, but yeah, we don't really need to. Right. Everybody knows it's just a short little song. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, Tim Price with the jokes. Yeah. We need to get Dan too and bad. Josh in here. Yeah, we we really that would really be good. That that would well, be a podcast where we need to like not have a real focus because yeah, you couldn't have a real. Focus. It would get derailed so yeah. bad. <laughs> That's true. All right, well, Tim, let's get into this list. Um, there was a video that you created for the Awakening Worship Conference, uh, which, by the way, you can actually still get access to that content by going to theworshipleadertoolbox.com. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, we'd love for you to do that. And and this list was really a blog post turned video, now turned podcast. This could be like a cyclical thing. Wow. Eventually, we could just make another video about the podcast. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. But this is really just some thoughts of the seven basics, really for people who are serving in a church worship leading role. That's right. pretty much the the gist of this. All right. Well, the first one here it says a heart for God. Yep, and. I always think about this kind of stuff whenever I'm writing up these things that sometimes I think some of these that we pull out make it seem like we think we should write it, like that should be the first thing. Mm -hmm. But we really need to get past that idea that it's, uh, you know, like we just want the practical stuff and the strategy stuff because, um, you know, if you you don't have a heart for worshiping the Lord, Mm -hmm. then all these things are just not going to have any kind of, you know, meaning or depth or anything. And even musical ability. Most people equate worship with music, and especially, and and I've noticed it even just in the last 20 years, it changed to where the word worship and music is a synonym in most circles. Hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. Although music is scriptural, so I'm not like against that. But yeah. worship isn't music. I mean, alone. It's it's part of it. Yeah. Music is a, sm- a small part of this big thing of worship. So, you know, musical ability is obviously an asset if you're going to lead worship music at a church, but without a desire to like love and serve God and a heart for God, it's really not worship leadership. It's just, you know, just whatever. So it's all going to mix together. And that heart for God is really the foundation for being a worship leader. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. I, uh, I, whenever I saw this list, I was thinking about it. And the one thing that really stood out to me is, uh, people who are enthusiastic about something. You know, they have a, like, for example, um, our pastor, Andy, he has, he loves the Cubs, right? And you can Mm -hmm. tell, uh, this is Cardinal Nation, by the way, for those who don't really know, but the baseball team, the Cubs, he's a Cubs fan, and he's passionate about it. And when he talks about it, you can tell that he's passionate about it. And it's because, you know, in a non, like, idolistic way, or maybe, I don't really know, that's a different conversation, (laughs) Um, he has, you know, a heart or passion for the Cubs. So in the same sense, you know, if we're worship leading and we have a passion for it, you know, then that's going to come across when we're leading. Yep. So That is really true. That's good. All right, so this next one here, it says, a heart for the church. Yep, and this is, these first three are really kind of some foundational ones to these Mm -hmm. seven basics. Um, But... You have to, if you're going to lead in a church and you're going to lead worship in a church as one of the key leaders in worship ministry is in that vein, you've got to believe in the mission of the church and have a heart for those people, believers to worship and non-believers to experience God's presence. And so worship leaders really need to enjoy their church. And it'd be really tough, I think, just to be there leading music, but not really try to connect with the congregation and to know them and to love them. And, and really a heart for the church opens up the freedom to give your all for the, you know, fully engaged for the season that you're there because nobody's at a church forever. And so, you know, however long you're there, you're, you're with them and and fully engaged. So we're there as like a steward for the season. And, um, and really the good news is it's God's church. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to, you know, serve faithfully with love and a servant's heart and, and basically help lead those folks to, um, be closer to God and closer to, you know, who, who the church needs to be to reach people in that community. And I don't, I don't think any staff worship leader person is out there, you know, begrudgingly serving their church, but 
there are days when it feels like that. So I don't <laughs> think anybody would want to say, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm just here because nobody else will take me or something. But there are times when things aren't going exactly right. And, and sometimes you got to trudge through some, some crazy valleys and seasons in a church. Mm-hmm. But without a heart for the church, you're not going to trudge very long. Yeah. You're just going to give up and go. That's very true. So That's a good point. And, and speaking of heart for the church, in case people hear the racket, they're putting in new air conditionings about one wall away from our little global studio here. So, <laughs> Are you saying that the heating and cooling system is the heart of the church? I'm just saying you might hear some racket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of drilling going on back there. It may not come through our mics, but yeah. they might hear it. The heart for the mission is really the idea that you are with your congregation in your mission field. Mm-hmm. And so, um, not that you have to live right there next to the church or right even in that town, but you have to love your community, love the region, and love the people. Mm-hmm. And the nuts and bolts of what you're doing, you know, the big word that people always throw around at conferences is it's got to work in your context. So <sighs> if you see a huge production and you're from a small church in a rural area, it's not going to translate. Yeah. And so you have to, before you get to the nuts and bolts, really understand what the mission of the church is and then let the details and the dream and the vision kind of come out of that. And then that you know leads in the right direction and it allows you to connect with people in your church that have gifts to do what needs to be done here and now, which will help shape leadership as opposed to coming in and saying, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You're going to, you know, it, it kind of works both ways. There, there's a time to say, hey, we're going to go here and get people on board. But other times you got to kind of let it swell within. So That's good. And the swelling within takes a lot of patience. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, uh, so for these first three, I mean, outside of heart for God, I mean, I think if you don't have that, you probably shouldn't be leading worship. But for me, the heart for the mission is really the the next one that drives it home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you kind of said like mission as in like maybe like the mission field around you, but really like um, when it talks about like where the mission or the vision is, I think that's like really one thing that like really holds on to me and where I'm going, you know? Yeah. I think I'll, you talked about, going through uh like trudging through times and i think that like if you love the vision and the mission that will get you through the most areas so yep that's probably true yeah all right so this fourth one here we have growing gifts and skills yeah and this one um this is one that we've talked about that is just good for beginners and for people that have done it a while but it's always important to possess um, a desire to grow in your leadership. So that can be, you know, skill for music, but skill for, you know, running meetings or getting things accomplished or, you know, casting the vision or whatever. And, um, yeah, in worship ministry, music and and art skills are a big part of the picture. Mm -hmm. You have to know some of these just to lead and sort of just to sort of have a, like I heard somebody one time say, you're kind of paying the rent if you can let people know that you're able to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, you kind of build that bridge and then you open you know, open the door for people to, to grow. So it's going to be hard for a really high-class musician to take direction from a leader who isn't able to, you know, talk the talk or, you know, oh, yeah. do what it is that you have to do. And, of course, you want to surround yourself with people better than you so you don't have to be the best at every instrument or anything, mm-hmm. but you just want to be authentic in that. And then this other slide of, like, leadership skills, um, you know, just – the development and recruitment and deployment and organization and and just delegating all those things a, a a church staff worship leader 
as um, an opportunity in life to grow in one of these areas and to keep going that way. And that's going to just transform the ministry. Hmm. So Uh, that's, that's really good. And you actually kind of like didn't unintentionally, maybe a segue here, but like development. So one, the next thing is that believe in the development of a team. (laughs) Well, I was thinking the other day that, do you know of any worship leaders who don't have a team? Like, is there any scenario where a person leads worship all by themselves? I mean, I'm sure there, like, you mean like in a little country church, I guess there's like a, a worship, like you talking about like that or? Yeah, like I was just trying to think. You could get like philosophical, like if you're just by yourself, you're not leading worship, you're just worshiping. Yeah. But if you're with a church of any size, I can't imagine there only being one person in leadership because either you're a singer and there's a musician yeah. Or you're a musician singer and there's a tech person or there's, I mean, uh, and maybe there's a scenario where somebody's just plunking out the piano and there's no tech person or anything. And well, you're... so here's a, here's a scenario. So like one of the little, the, one of the small things that I do as my ministry position is at a satellite church from us, a little offshoot kind of a thing. And it's a small country church and there's no tech. And if I'm just up there playing my guitar, leading a song, would that be a leader without a team? Or is the church that's there that's singing along with you your team? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, maybe. Like, I would, Actually, your scenario of playing guitar and singing and no tech and just telling people to sing along, then you're kind of like a, a sole worship leader up there. Yeah. Like the person that's helping the church do it. Gotcha. I was just thinking from the standpoint of, I guess, I guess it wouldn't be any size because a small rural church would have that scenario. But as soon as a church has any kind of production in worship ministry, <laughs> I derailed. I derailed it, didn't I? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I really was trying to wonder if there was a spot. But as soon as you have any kind of any kind of sizable situation, mm-hmm. then you couldn't do it by yourself. Yeah, you can't. I mean, but even then, maybe somebody could. Maybe somebody's figured out how to get their laptop to do everything, and they're up there and just playing along with it. I don't know. Yeah, but. So you mean like it'd be ridiculous for like sound and lyrics and tech and stuff like that. Yeah, and band members and yep. people to help put it all together. So anyway, yeah. all that all that to say, outside of outside of you, Clint, <laughs> <laughs> worship leaders have to really believe in developing a team and not just. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of things that like you're not just for one. You understand that it's not just you able to do it on your own, and. You also don't want to assume that, um, you know, part of the ministry is helping people grow mm-hmm. and not just, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the the opposite of that is, but there's just a lot of questions worship leaders need to ask. And one of them is how can you involve others? How can you involve the church to use their gifts to help lead in worship and be a part of that and develop, um, you know, points of entry for people to serve and involve the next generation and several things that we've talked about over the over the season of this podcast, but, um, uh, one role the worship leader really is to, to, uh, develop people who can lead and be a part of the ministry. And it's especially true for when you're not there, mm-hmm. like who's next. Yeah. Not just a Sunday you're gone, but like when you're finished there, Yeah, like how's that going to happen? So, and I, and again, I don't know any worship leaders who sit around and, and don't believe in the development of a team. Like yeah. I think people want there to be people helping. Yeah. I think so. it, I think any kind of like musical person naturally like has a, a strive for making it better. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in some aspect. And so I think just, even if it's just like, man, we really want to sound really good. We want the song to go over well or whatever. You know, so there's a strive for, even if it's just on the musical front for development there, but yeah, there's so much about even looking back across your whole team. So tech and everything about raising up that next generation. Yep. So that's good. That is good. We believe in the Worship Leader Toolbox and the work we're able to accomplish by the grace of God and with your partnership. There are two simple ways to support this podcast. And the first one is by clicking the support button and commit to sponsoring us on a monthly basis. And with any contribution of 99 cents or more, we will send you a free gift. The second way is through Amazon Smile. Just go to worshipleadertoolbox.com slash Amazon to set the one-time link up that allows Harvest to receive a small percentage of your Amazon purchase. All right. So the next one here is faithfulness. Yep. And this is just, um, again, kind of a, a general thought that you need to stay faithful to the process that God's called you to. And maybe this fits along with a heart for the church. And maybe we could actually add in something else that people might uh, find helpful. But it's the job of the worship leader to help prepare the church for ministry. And that sometimes means simple things like just, you know, initiating planning and meeting with your pastor and helping people, you know, engage and, and, uh, you know, just being, doing your best to be faithful to, to, uh, nurture your church to new heights as one of the leaders who is highly visible. So it's interesting about worship ministry because sometimes a real part-time person will be a worship leader in a church. And they'll be a really highly visible person mm-hmm. among the congregation, but th- in terms of their hour investment, it might be not too much, mm-hmm. especially in a part-time kind of role. So yeah. it's just kind of, it really is a, a high-profile spot. And then faithfulness could probably go a couple other directions. Just you know, faithfulness in a life off stage, mm-hmm. and and all those things that go with that. Yeah, that like. This is a total tangent thing, so you can review this if you want. But it, it makes me think of like uh, in one of the student ministry Facebook groups I'm in, they talked about, uh, you know, hey, has anybody accidentally like or purposefully or whatever cussed in front of students or whatever? And I was like, man, that's an interesting thought right there. And I kind of wrote back that like, well, you know, if we're accidentally cussing in front of students, then it's probably because we're using that kind of language, you know, in the non ministry world. And really we shouldn't be doing that, you know, in the yeah. non ministry world, cause we're still a representation of the church. So, so that's yeah, true. so that's a, that's a good one. Interesting. <clears throat> All right, Tim, the last one, Excel and practical components. Yep. I also think this is funny cause you just put this in there. It pretty much covers everything else. So <laughs> seven basics for worship leading. And the last one encompasses 12 things. <laughs> <laughs> but just in general, worship leaders have to um, stick with the processes of all things related to Sunday morning outcome mm-hmm. and the flow and whatever. So we could just rattle off a whole list. Flow, song selection, teaching, leading, developing, recruiting, thinking of songs, and all that stuff. And some of that just comes by you know um, staying engaged and reading blogs and listening to podcasts and attending conferences and all that stuff, helping to improve the practical side and getting ideas for that and listening well to suggestions and thoughts from, 
you know, allies and team members and people who are part of your family and, and uh, circle. And, um, you know, just the, the constant sort of sense that you're evaluating and improving and sort of critiquing without, you know, without the desperation mode, like, oh my goodness, we're never going to make it. And it's just hard balance to always try to be improving without getting annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> and so leaders are always stuck in that no matter what kind of world they're in, but it's part of the job. So, Well, Tim, that was a great list. The seven basics, it's heart of worship. I'm sorry, that's a song. Heart for God, heart for the church, heart for the mission, uh, growing gifts and skills, believing in the development of a team, faithfulness and excel at the practical components. Yep, that's the list. Well, hey, Tim, thanks so much. And to everyone listening, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And if you could, I would love it if you could uh, share this podcast and also hit the subscribe button. And one last thing that we would love you to do is uh, leave us a five-star review. It would help us go a long way in reaching other uh, ministry and worship leaders. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. It's definitely nice to have heating and cooling, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially entering into the winter season here shortly. So. Yep. We have officially just dated where we are in the season. That's true. Someone can be. Someone could come across this podcast in the summer, and also we're talking about winter. I think you really got to be a professional podcaster not to date yourself. Uh, no way. I mean, do we usually date ourselves? Who knows? Yeah. I I don't even know. Well, in case anybody's wondering. It's August 1st, and since we're based in Montana, winter comes quick. Didn't you say in beautiful (laughs) Troy, Illinois, (laughs) at the beginning of this podcast? Uh, Yeah.